I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Cast and Crank Podcast. I have my buddy here, uh, Nick Townsend. So he closed me on taking my boat to the harbor and taking it to the ocean because he was already doing it. So a little backstory, I met Nick. I played in hardcore bands and punk bands and my buddy Bo introduced me to Nick and uh, Nick has a really crazy uh, music backstory too on top of it, but we'll talk about how Nick kind of started fishing and uh, how he got into fishing when he's younger. So, hey, let hey. us know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Because you grew up, where did you grow up at? I grew up in West Covina. So you were fishing up that way when you were younger. Yeah, well, when I was younger, you know, all all I knew how to do was bait and wait. Yeah. So I'd go fishing for catfish. <laughs> My dad. What, and, what was your lake around there? Uh, Santa Fe Dam. I mean... It's kind of the only lake that we knew about at the yeah. time because we all, like, my family's from Indiana, so we would, you know, we'd go fish. We're used to fishing private lakes and, like, catching, like, five-pound bass. You grew up here, though, right? You didn't grow up in Yeah, Indiana. no, I grew up here 100%, and, and the only thing my dad knew how to do, uh, not a slight to him, he's really good, but uh, all we did was catfish. That was it. Like, we'd just go to the lake, hang out, catfish. I was really young, so it's not, like... He could be like, here's a pole with a sharp lure. Go That's how you got to do yourself. it, though. I did it with yeah. my kid. My, yeah. Oh, yeah, I like that, too. No, Same shit. You know? Totally. So, uh, you know, he taught me how to tie my knots and get set up, and he'd take me fishing all the time. It was, like, his thing that yeah. he liked to do and that and I, him and I connected on. So that's how I got started. And then, um, and then I took a long break. I was playing in bands. and uh, So you didn't pick it back up until 20... 20- Oh God, maybe, maybe 2009. Okay. Like, uh, I was playing in a lot of hardcore bands and playing drums and everybody needs a drummer. So I was like triple quadruple booked (laughs) (laughs) playing for everybody's band and, uh, and trying to figure out what the hell I was doing with my life. So, uh, in that time, uh, at a show, I met some kids. I overheard them talking about fishing. I was like, yo, you guys fish? <laughs> They're like, yeah, you fish? Yeah. And it's the only time, I, I mean, hardcore sort of introduced me to everything in my life. And 
and and through that weird connection I, I met these two kids uh mike mike craig and matt craig and uh and they lived in fountain valley mm-hmm. and they had a boat and i didn't have a boat and they're like we'll take you fishing yeah it's like yeah let's go <laughs> hardcore kids fishing that was, yeah, I was like i'm right. in i'm in sold <laughs> so uh the first trip we actually went on was by my house because uh the one brother matt was living down there and what we did is is he they had like a shitty old tracker and we just like the three of us just jumped on and then they rigged me up because i never fished with a lure before effectively at least like i'd tried but i didn't know what the hell i was doing so um they rigged me up and and got me set up and like cool pitch there pitch there do this what did they tie tie on for you ah jerk bait Oh, that's yeah. your shit too, right now. Yeah, still. so it's like, an, yeah, no, <laughs> to I this love day, dude, yeah. that's your fucking shit. I mean, it's it works, so you know, like, don't yeah. fuck with it. If it works, it works. Uh, so yeah, the, the the whole thing with them was like, at the time, it was like early spring leading into summer. Well, I guess late spring leading into summer, and uh, there was this lake by my house. I can't remember what it. Glad's Pudding Stone. Pudding Stone, yeah. Yeah, so we went to Pudding Stone, and they're like, man, we heard online. <laughs> that we could go and throw these big ass Huddleston swim baits and catch like twelve pound bass at Pudding Stone. <laughs> yeah, Fuck. I was like, here, <laughs> whatever. I'm down. Let's go. Yeah. So we uh, we went and and we tried and it wasn't really producing. So we swapped over to you know rocking our jerk baits and and drop shots. Just the you know go to. Yeah, and and we killed it. And it was the first time, you know, that I'd ever even gotten bit on a lure. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you got to be kidding me. This works. And this like, is, blew my mind. This is like 22. Yeah. yeah I mean, even younger, maybe. Maybe really? 20. Wow. Yeah. Or maybe even younger than that. I mean, we were all like, I was still pretty young. I was 20. Yeah. Because I'm 30 now. Mm-hmm. So I was 20, 2009. Wow. And yeah, we were just, you know, doing that. And I was like, man, I had such a good time. I don't have anything to do. <laughs> yeah. Let's because go. You were, you were fishing. So I was 30 at that time. So I just got really into fishing. And then our friend Bo told me, I want to say I was in snake eyes mm-hmm. and he, and I kind of got into fishing. No, this is after snake eyes. This is one. Well, maybe it I'm took you sure. a while. Cause I remember yeah. Bo, like I was working screen printing. And, and we have another friend too. I'm going to get on later. His name's Adam riser. He does really good in the kayak tournament uh, circuit. Where's yeah. he from? South Carolina. Well, he's not from. I, well, well he, I don't know where down, he's from. He moved but down yeah. back to. So yeah. Adam's another guy I want to get on. I just do not like doing the fucking phone interviews. Mm-hmm. So I want to get him on when he comes back down over here. But he's really good uh, tournament angler and uh, ninja fisherman down here in uh, Newport. Yeah, yeah. He got. He, got he almost got me in trouble. Yeah. If he's- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he's another guy I want to get on because he's a big hardcore dude. Uh, I right when my first band went on tour when I had my kid, they went. Oh, it was Blood Is Red, I think. Was uh, was it Blood? I don't know what the. Was, I forgot the fucking name of his band. Who cares? Something Blood. <laughs> something Blood and Red. I don't fucking know. <laughs> Some old shit. Yeah, but uh, that was kind of like when the whole fishing thing happened, and then I was supposed to go with Adam a lot, and you. Yeah, I didn't know even know who you were. We at were the time. trying to get you to come. Like I yeah. didn't know you either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were trying to get you to come because uh, Bo was like, "Dude, you got to take Nick." <laughs> I was like, "I'm down to take anybody." Like I just like fishing. Yeah. So 
So two, th- two. So you're 22. Yeah. Were they already hitting the harbors and then too? I think they Mike, no. Who's it? Mike and Matt, right? Yeah. So okay. no, we were we were doing a lot of freshwater. We were doing like uh, Paris Lake. Okay. And like sort of getting on the front end of like that big swim bait thing when it was happening. Like they were all into it because their dad's an amateur pro fisherman. Oh, bass really? fisherman. Yeah. What uh, was he? Uh, do you remember where his dad fished at? I can't or? remember. No, I, I just knew that they had the little tracker that the that they From took their dad. out, uh, <laughs> and the dad had a champion in the garage. Oh no way! <laughs> yeah, so Did we you were guys like, ever take that out? Oh fuck yeah, dude! <laughs> like it, it took a while because we were all young shitheads yeah. who didn't know what to do, <laughs> and he didn't want us to destroy. Yeah, his, of course. Fuck man, his track or his uh, champion. So. Uh, but he would he would help us like rig up and like throw things back and forth like we'd have ideas and he's like well why don't you try this and like he was really cool like it, it like meeting those guys totally changed my trajectory in life I think because before that I was like just sitting around like oh, I guess I'll record this band or I'll do this or like I was just working my ass off screen printing or you know just not really thinking about fishing if fishing was always like a thing i i got to do that was like a cool thing like once every six months yeah. with my dad like we'd go camp somewhere and then go fishing at like one of the stock lakes or something ridiculous mm-hmm. so uh you know those guys those guys really changed the game for me and taught me that you know it, it you can produce fish in southern california at pretty much any body of water if you know what you're doing yeah. So, you know, we spent a lot of time just hitting the the park lakes. So we do, you know, we do Pudding Stone, we do Santa Fe Dam. And like pretty much we were all going to college and, and running around like whatever. And and at night, like around, you know, around three o'clock in the <laughs> afternoon, we'd be like, yo, what are you doing? You want to go fish? It's like, yeah, where are you? Where, where What are you doing? Where are you at? Yeah. And uh, so you had to burp. It's fine. There'll be more of those coming. <laughs> so, uh, so it's like, oh, we're we're just kicking it at the house in Fountain Valley, and they live literally a block away from Mile Square Park. Damn. So we would just go down Mile Square Park and just throw ridiculous, like the most ridiculous baits we could throw. Like we'd throw rats, and they'd probably work, right? <laughs> yeah. Every once in a while, like the crazy thing is, like I wasn't, I was definitely the least good fisherman yeah. of that group. Yeah. Uh, Mike Craig was just a, he just destroys every time we go out. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what we're doing. Like he always outfishes everybody. Then Matt's really good. And Matt's more of like a, I could see Matt being a guide like Matt's, you know, so he sort of helped me hone things and figure out how to actually produce and catch with them mm-hmm. and brought me up to speed with, with him and Mike. So Mike would go out there with like a fucking rat. To be like, I'm just gonna throw this. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you're not gonna catch a shit. <laughs> and then he would catch a bass. And yeah. like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm throwing, like, I'm fishing a jerk bait that's like, you know, like I don't know, like three inch, four three inch, inch yeah. four inch. And I'm like, I'm expecting to catch what's in that lake, which is the little baby guys, because yeah. all the big ones probably get pulled out. Yeah, no, hundred <laughs> percent. And and he'll go out there and he'll just toss some ridiculous shit and then pull out a five pound bass and like which changed your mindset a little bit after oh it totally happen, destroyed right? everything i'd ever thought about yeah. and uh so we go out you know we, we kind of got tired of, of fishing the little lakes and finally they're like 
let's go for saltwater bass. I remember just being like, okay, I, I don't know anything about that, but let's go. So we go out and we would hit. And uh, I'm going to cut you. Yeah, what, yeah. What, um, so what year was that when you decided to like, when they told you about, hey, let's fish saltwater bass? When was that? It was probably 2010, 2011, 2010. Mm-hmm. Somewhere around there. I mean, it, it wasn't very long after I started fishing with them, Yeah, to sorry. be honest. It's okay. Don't let it happen again. <laughs> I won't. I promise. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, we. It, it wasn't too long after I started fishing with them because I think we spent maybe six months to a year fishing Paris because it was just producing. Like, we'd go out and throw just poppers. Yeah. And, and like, it was like, it was always like poppers in the morning and then, and then we'd throw, you know, like, drop shot for the rest of the afternoon or jerk baits and we'd we'd have like 50 fish 100 fish days fuck dude. it was crazy yeah like like we would just go out there and just slay and just go home and be like man that was almost boring yeah the end. <laughs> <laughs> and we tried to do ridiculous we would just you know when we got bored we'd just throw crazy shit yeah and uh i'm sure everybody does that yeah. but <laughs> you know at the time i was like this is mind-blowing yeah uh, so then we finally we we got our freshwater fill and then we went down and started doing salt water and we would we'd made it a nightly ritual like literally i would i was working two jobs i had two screen printing jobs one in the morning or sorry one in the afternoon one in the evening and then i was going to school full-time for audio record for you know audio sound music engineer. sound engineer sound learning engineer. yeah well i was like <laughs> i was working a screen printing job and i i like i me and my brother were doing it and we <laughs> we got fired Fuck, yeah, we got fired, but it was kind of on. It was it was one of those things lazy. where it was like, this is actually a blessing in disguise mm-hmm. that we got fired. So we took the opp- I took the opportunity to sort of just reevaluate things. I'm like, you know what? I should. Uh, the only thing I'm good at is music, so I should probably like try it. Thanks. I should probably try to make money doing it. Which so- is funny because at the same time, <clears throat> I think I was getting out as you were getting in. So recording engineer, I used to be a recording engineer, but 90, no fuck, in 2001, 2002. So Pro You're Tools just came fuck. out. I am. I just turned 39, dude. But I, I was getting into it as you were, I was leaving as you were getting yeah. into because I remember, you remember guys, this is another fucking music shit if you guys want to yeah, fast sorry. forward. Uh, like Nick Jet from the band Terror. He was kind of coming up when I was recording. We were both kind of, he was in LA. I was in kind of Orange County, LA. Yeah. Um, and then you came along and people were going, oh, fucking Townsend makes some badass recordings. Did they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh, fuck. fuck. You know, and then that's when I kind of remember you were going to school. Yeah. At the same, when I was ready to get out right, of here. Yeah, I don't yeah. have fucking time for this shit. No, I mean, it's it's one of those things. <laughs> like audio engineering is is one of those things. Either you're all in or you're, or it's just not for you. Mm-hmm. So it and it's a hard thing to stay in yes. because the money is shit, and and it's hard to, <laughs> it's hard to make it make sense. Yeah. You know, it's it's a passion thing, and it, and for me, not saying you don't have passion for it because look at you, you. <laughs> I came back around, fucking twenty. I pushed you back into <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, eighteen years later, yeah. I was like, I'm back. Yeah, <laughs> bring it on. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, it's just one of those things where where you. You know, you have to devote everything you have to it. Yeah. It's a passionate thing. It's it's a lot like fishing, mm-hmm. and t- to be honest. Like, I, I draw a lot of uh, parallel lines. There's there's a lot of crossover where, like, sorry, I'm going to go mastering right now. 
basically mastery engineers have a toolbox or a tackle box and and each each record i do that comes through is different and it has diff, it, you know it's like a different species of fish that i'm going for it's so so i have to pull the tools out of my tackle box to try and catch those fish and try and make it a, a worthwhile process and make it something that at the end result everybody's really really happy with it's like a you know it's a trophy catch it's it, there's a lot of crossover right there so so when i start thinking about like okay i'm gonna get into mastering this record it's a lot of the same things that i learned from fishing it's like okay well we're gonna go out for you know largemouth i need to have the x y and z in my tackle box yeah and i'm gonna rig it up these different ways and we're gonna throw out and see what works and then once we figure out a pattern we're just gonna follow that pattern to see the biggest fish we could catch <laughs> and at the same time i want people to know uh you so from recording nick got into like a specialty part of recording called mastering um not only that he's one of the only dudes in southern california like this side of the coast uh, there, there's more of us i think you're talking you're I for, think, so for for record mastering yeah yeah so how many dudes are there that <clears throat> do record in california there, California is probably one of the most saturated mm-hmm. out of all the states. Uh, I could think of off offhand, just in California, there's there's probably like four or five of okay, us. Okay, so that's nothing, you know. Like, I get yeah. So my, for my, me, I'm like that's a huge number. There no. used to be like three of us. <laughs> so and you've done some big albums. You mastered some big records. Like name some bad yeah, brands, right? Well, no, well, you remastered the vinyl. I re- not for Bad Brains, but I have remastered things for like Verbal Assault. That's mm-hmm. like a a cool sort of. They got a cult following. Yeah, They're pretty cool. But uh, didn't you have Danzig? I we had Danzig in a studio. I was I was yeah. working at. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I used to intern. I, I was an intern at Infrasonic Mastering in Echo Park for like the first three years of my career. They picked me up uh, pretty quickly when I I I had just gotten out of college. Uh, and I, I had mastered, or sorry, I didn't master anything. I, I had mixed a record from my band Suspect, who were like a band out of San Diego. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they're like, yo, we're going to get this master. We want to put on a record. And I had just gotten out and like, let me go. I want to go. I want to see this shit. Yeah. Cause I had put out records before and, and mixed them, but I'd never been a part of the mastering process. And honestly, I'd actually been really frustrated because I'd never really could, talk effectively or communicate effectively with a mastering engineer i'd usually call and be like hey can i talk to so and so and they're like no (laughs) what really (laughs) or i'd try to email someone and they'd be like yeah totally i get it and they send me back the same thing and i'm like yeah it's not really what i was thinking and and you know it's it was just frustrating to me and so i wanted to see the process and see if i could get some information just as a mixing guy and and see what was going on and so i i showed up to infrasonic and and met pete and pete was really cool really like pulled me in pretty quickly and uh and i asked a ton of questions i annoyed the shit out of him probably but he he saw the potential in me and and gave me my first internship he's like hey come back tonight we're gonna have a party you should come kick it so i i go back and i'm like yeah, I'm gonna be an intern. <laughs> I did it. I Hold got on, my just foot in the to door. let you know. Worst fucking thing ever. Depending on the studio, <laughs> I fucking yeah. interned. I think at fucking six different studios. Oh man, worst 
fucking thing ever, dude. dude. I I know a lot. I got a lot of dudes that had horror stories. I I have maybe three people from my graduating class of dude. forty who got jobs who are still doing mm-hmm. it. And I lucked out, dude. I won the lot. I've been I've been on a lucky streak. I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> like I've I've lucked out in every corner of this. Uh, you know, Pete w- Pete and the guys at Infrasonic were really, really, really cool with me, and they taught me a lot. And uh, you know, like when I came back that night for the party, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and and then Raging. I I met <laughs> I I walked in. I didn't know anybody, and I and I was like, where's Pete? Where's Pete? Where's Pete? So I'm like trying to find this guy. I finally find him. He's like, oh hey, you made it. Cool. Well, I'm out later. <laughs> He bounced. I was like, "Fuck! Oh no, <laughs> maybe I'm wrong." And uh, and then I just I just kicked it. I was like, "Well, you know, doesn't matter. Like, I'm still here. This is really cool, and yeah. and I'd like to you know network with people and talk to people and you know whatever." And then I hung out so late that I started helping some of the some of the other people that were there cleaning up after the party. And then they showed up and. I think that won me some brownie points and they called me and, you know, a couple of weeks later gave me a job. So that's how I got into mastering. I, I yeah. really had no clue. I, I really had no interest in mastering at first. Really? Yeah. It was something that I was like, well, I don't want to, like, that's lame. Yeah. I want to, I want to be a part of the creative process on the front end and yeah. like help people write music and mix things. And, <clears throat> and it wasn't until I saw a record get cut that I was like, oh my God. Were you fishing at this time too? Yeah, yeah, heavily, heavily. This was big time fishing. This, like I was, like you were harbor. You were in the harbor. We were in the hard. harbor every night. So this is so this is the same time you were fishing with Mike and Matt, kind of. Yeah, they were the only two that I'd fish with. Okay. Because they were the only two I could depend on to go fishing with me as much as I wanted to go fishing. <laughs> How many <laughs> so, nights of the week were you fishing? Uh, every night. There were oh, there were times. Dude. I mean, it wasn't always like that, but there were times where we would go seven nights a week. And I'm going to give a little credit to the jerk chad to this fucking guy, too. Oh, yeah. He's about the jerk chad, too, just mm-hmm. like me. Um, <clears throat> well, so, it wasn't the jerk chad at first. We were using it? the little curly tails. Okay. And, and I mean, everybody probably knows, mm-hmm. knows these things by now. But, uh, you know, we went out, and we were used to getting, you know, like, on a good day at Paris, we get, like, maybe 100 fish between the three of us. Uh, and, and we're like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> we fucking nailed the timing on this one. This was amazing. And then and then we took these little, you know, curly tail gulps and lead head and just touch them on the bottom and we just boom, 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 boom. Just spotties boom. or was oh, it? Oh, a- spotties. Yeah. The crazy thing is I I don't know what's changed cuz I've sort <laughs> the mastering career that's taken off. I I haven't been able to fish as much as I'd like to. So, I've gone out, you know, three or four times you know, recently. We've been out. We've been out twice, probably in the last six months. So one yeah. night we did a Long Beach night trip, and then we did a uh, Crystal Cove. Yeah. And the Long Beach night, he's like, "Man, it's fucking slow," and I'm like, "Dude, this is this is like pretty good." No, because what you're used to a good Long seeing, Beach night yeah. is off the fucking hook. <laughs> I mean, it's it's literally that's that's what really you know I was into it, but then the every night a week. <laughs> It's like, yeah, we're going to fucking Long Beach, and we were there. <laughs> we were there all the time. Like, if I wasn't there with Matt and Mike, I was out there with my dad because I convinced him to buy a little boat. We'd go out in this little shitty Starcraft. It looked like a canoe, <laughs> and it had like a four horsepower engine on the back yeah. of it. And we threw a trolling motor on the front of that shit, and we're like, "All right, let's go." 
<laughs> that's what I took Adam Reiser out on. Yeah. That's how that, I taught him. <laughs> and that's and that and that's when uh Bo kind of told me you were fishing the harbor a lot. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck. You know, and then he's like, Adam and fucking Nick will go fish the harbor or and then he went with you, Bo, and he fucking skunked, and he was like, "I fuck us up. Yeah, well, he wanted, like, Bo had a weird schedule, and we couldn't really get out at a good time, like, and we didn't go out of Long Beach when I took him. I was already, the Long Beach thing in Far Pat, like, I wasn't fishing there as much anymore, because uh, it, it slowed down. Was there a lot of people fishing at the time? You no, were? when we went out, it was pretty much, I mean, I don't know, I could I'm be I'm sure wrong. you would see guys. I'm sure there's other nah. dudes, but we would never see anybody. Okay. Like, we would fish, we'd go out. Sorry, I keep burping. That's because you're uh, drinking beer. I'm girl. drinking beers. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we w- we would go out and it would be like, I don't know. We'd go out at like five o'clock and then we'd come back in by 11 and that we wouldn't see anybody else at the launch ramp. Fuck. Like it was like that, like all the time. <clears throat> and I feel like it's still kind of <clears throat> like that, but you still see some boats. Like, Well, you know? we started seeing some dudes sort of... I'm. I, I'm going to make it sound like we were the ones who invented this, but I, I know we aren't. Uh, we started seeing some dudes sort of like crowding us later on, and that's when we stopped fishing there. We're like, ah, lame. <laughs> we're out. And we just we just peace out. And, and, and then we started launching out of different places and going to the same spots. Yeah. Because we felt like we had blown our cover a little bit. Because uh, uh, yeah. we were trying, I mean, it's not a secret, but we were trying to keep it as you know to ourselves as possible i think that's like anything like even now every fisherman like every fucking... good let me every good fisherman doesn't tell other dudes what the fuck's up yeah <laughs> right <laughs> i mean i feel like that like oh man like nobody really divulges everything no way there's always a little piece of the puzzle that they <laughs> they keep in their back pocket yeah so so when your dad got that boat were you uh it was kind of like a joint effort, like you're like, oh yeah, Look. well, like yeah. I mean, he was really hesitant at first, and and I was like, dude, come on. And then it finally took me having him come out on the boat a few times with me, Matt, and Mike to so see you guys what were was taking up. The tracker at the time out, yeah. So we we load four <laughs> dudes on a fourteen foot tracker. You guys are fucking crazy. We bro. are nuts. <laughs> we're nuts, dude. And we get out there and we just fuck it up. And my dad was like, this is incredible. And yeah. I think it changed his mind because then all of a sudden we start talking about this little shitty boat. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Yeah. And and then we go down to San Diego, pick up like a $500 boat, <laughs> bring it oh, back. And we're dude. like, we're like, yeah, this is awesome. This is, is what that we're the one do. you guys have now? No. So basically what happened is, this is funny. This is how I cope with things. This is how me and my dad cope with things. Uh, so basically... We we had this little tiny boat, and it was cool, and it got us around the harbors, but when the harbor fishing sort of took a nosedive on us, you know, we didn't stick with the times to try and figure it out again, uh, we wanted to get out further. We're like, fuck, I want to catch yellowtail. Fuck, I want to <laughs> I want to get out. Yeah. And this little boat was cool, but it was not seaworthy. <laughs> yeah. So we... uh my my grandma had passed away and we were like we're like let's buy a boat (laughs) (laughs) let's go fishing more yeah so we were all sad and we're like let's cope with fishing so we went and bought uh like a 16 foot bay runner 
Nice. And we're like, that's the be one cool. you have now. Yeah, that's the okay. one I have now. And and like the dude who had it before us would take it out in San Diego all the time. And he had put this. He was like an older dude, and he was sort of dark, and he put this shitty little motor on it. <laughs> I'm like, dude, this thing is so fucking slow. Yeah. And so it take us forever. But and what was, size motor was that? I think it's like a 25 or 20. You guys have what on there now? Same motor, same motor. Yeah, <laughs> my dad's still, my dad's down with it. Like, I, we were both honestly down with it because we're like, we just spent, like, I don't know, like two or three thousand dollars on this, and yeah, probably overpaid a little bit, but fuck it, like we'll just keep it as is. Like this yeah. gets us out, yeah, and we can fish the ball. We can fish, you know, Point Furman and run around and do all the things we wanted to do now, and not be totally terrified yeah so we were doing that <clears throat> and um and then yeah like matt and mike were fishing i was fishing with them they would come out on my boat and then when i got that boat they were like all right here's what we're gonna do we're gonna take a trash can we're gonna drill some holes in it and we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna make a bait tank <laughs> so we did just the shittiest bait tank we could find pull up to the bait barge and they start laughing at us <laughs> we're like don't care man this is what we got up. bro throw it in throw it in we don't give a shit we're going out to catch fish yeah and we went out and we caught we caught yellowtail we caught i mean we did all kind. i mean there was some crazy shit because they got into fly fishing oh really? so they like stepped up to they're like going up into reno like matt i think moved to reno for a little while oh, he? and he got really into fly fishing so when he came back down he was like let's go saltwater fly fishing <laughs> i'm like right? all right i mean fuck it did you try <laughs> it hell no i'm terrible with a fly <laughs> i'll just whip i'll whip the bait to death like i, <laughs> I whip don't yourself catch in the fucking yeah back. <laughs> yeah no it's not good to have me with a fly fishing rod oh, so we we went out and um we ended up uh <laughs> we got we we got loaded down this one time with uh I don't know sardines and we went out and we're fishing like the pipe or something and uh and we're out there and we're throwing these live sardines just like you know fly lining it mm-hmm. and uh and we're getting these wolf packs of calicos coming up and just cha- like we'll catch we'll get one on the hook he'll take the bait and then we'll reel up and then there'll just be like five or six of them swimming oh, around that one yeah. And then Matt Matt would just be like, all right, hold on. And he'd start tossing his fly. <laughs> I Let think me get he, the followers, I bro. Think, I think he only got one. I think he, he hooked one. Yeah. I, I can't remember what happened, but he, we would just we were doing that over and over, trying to get him a fish on the fly just so we could say we got <laughs> Yeah. That's fun, dude. Yeah, That's no, what Mason Stoller is a guy that came on and he's a He's a guy, a fly fishing guy. Yeah. And he does a lot of calico stuff too. That's crazy, man. That's so cool that you can do that. Yeah, he's good at it. But I guess this is probably almost coming to the time where we start. This has probably been five years at least, right? Four or five years we've been hanging out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so no, at least. That's when we started playing in bands. Like I've been mastering. Jam. No, dude. I've been mastering for seven years, six or seven years now. So it's longer because I met you at the front end of my mastering career. Yes. So, yeah. So he is like... I'm like, hey, I got a fucking boat. And he's like, no way. So I think the first thing we did is we went to Diamond Valley. Yeah. Jerk bait guy. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't drop it. I'm over there throwing a drop shot like a fucking asshole. 
Fucking catching jerk bait fish. You got a couple. It was fucking winter time too, so it, it was, was hard. really yeah, hard. It was hard. It's like jerk bait was not <clears throat> the bait to go with, but I was like, I don't care. And same shit. And then I, I told Nick, I'm like, oh, he's like, dude, you got to take it to the ocean. It's fucking great. And I'm like, nah, it's kind of sketchy, bro. I'm scared. Yeah, I was, dude. I was being <laughs> a fucking bitch. And like, uh, yeah. and we went out. Now that's that's why I fish a lot in the ocean is because of Nick. But um. I have uh, the music thing. I have one more thing I really yeah. want to talk about. Oh, it's for sure. Cool. I got a piss. Hold on. Here we go. Yep. So what I wanted to ask you was, you played in a band called Dr. No. Mm-hmm. Young. How old are you? 16. That's 17. young, dude. So you were in high school. Yeah. It was on tour. awesome. On tour. It was so fucking sick. But you were on tour. Yeah. So. <laughs> How did that come about? Fuck, dude. Oh, so this is an interesting story. Uh, my hopefully my dad doesn't uh get mad at me for this for telling everybody <laughs> basically my dad was in aa uh-huh. so you know a lot of punk dudes are fucked up and uh i was playing in bands and i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I played this one show and with, with a band called Circle One. Mm-hmm. And it was like a backyard show in La Puente and... We're playing with Circle One, and then Jody comes up, the drummer of Circle One, and is like, man, you're a great drummer, and start talking to him, and then I find out, he's like, yeah, I'm just trying to find a ride back to my house, because I have a curfew. I was like, dude, you're like old. <laughs> Why do you have a curfew? And he explained to me, I was like, oh, you're in AA. Yeah. You're in a sober living home. Yeah. Hold on a second. So I go grab my dad. I'm like, dad, Jody needs to go home. And my dad, you know, my dad had done the drill. He knew what was up. So we we cut out with Jody and we took him back to his house. And that was like a, the beginning of a friendship between me and him. Mm-hmm. And I had already had a long stint. There, there was a record store in Covina called Feedback Records uh-huh. that was ran by the guitarist Circle One. Okay. So literally every day after high school, me and my buddy Rusty, who actually runs a coffee shop called Rag Coffee, and it's like a punk rock coffee shop in oh, really? Claremont. Yeah, no, it's it's sick. Like, <laughs> I'll tell you more. About, maybe I'll tell you more about him. Yeah. But basically, we uh we would go there all the time, and uh and we and we just had this friendship. So basically, what happened is Doctor No's drummer at the time quit. And what year was this? Uh, t- I don't know, dude. Two thousand six. I need to know. 2006, 2007. Man, you were 16 at 2000. When were you born? Uh, 1988. December 11th, 1988. Okay, so yeah, I was 94. Or no, I'm sorry. 
98, so 2004, 2006, around there, right? Yeah. Okay. So I was I was young, and uh, and I get this random phone call from from Jody. He's like, "Hey, man, I just uh, wanted to let you know I threw I threw your name in the hat uh, to play drums for Doctor No." I was like, "Fuck yeah!" <laughs> like I lost my mind because I I had just seen them with their old drummer, yeah. and I was like, "This is who was playing drums before this guy named Eric Vasquez." Okay. And he was he was awesome. He mm-hmm. was a great drummer. And you know what's funny is him and I are both in the professional audio industry now. Oh, really? Like he does recording and other things too. Oh, that's so cool. we ended up in the same world. Uh, but basically, I got the offer, mm-hmm. and then I had to uh, I had to make sure that the uh, guitarist was still down. <laughs> so I talked I called the guitarist to have band practice and he's like I don't really want to do it anymore man and I'm like so I'm you know I'm like no oh, he didn't want to play anymore. no he's he didn't like, want to play in the band anymore fuck dude and uh I was like no dude you don't understand <laughs> and I had to convince him and I convinced him to have a session and hang and do a session and so the first practice was in Covina right across the street from Feedback Records at a at a lockout mm-hmm. and we did uh I had two weeks and I learned every single fucking song. So I, I walked in and there's Brandon Cruz, Ishmael Hernandez, and Craig Cano who were playing in the current lineup. And I walk in, my 16 year old self was my dad. <laughs> <laughs> Dork. Yeah, no, total fucking nerd. So I walk in, I set up, and they're pretty, I could tell they're pretty skeptical because they're already like, uh, are we really doing this? Yeah. And I fucking blew them away. I was like, what song you want to play? They're like, let's do this one. I, I forget what it was. They wanted to do something like Mr. Freeze first. Oh, God. Come on. Get I'm like, I'm like, all right. They gave me the hardest one, bro. I let's never do heard it. that one. Let's do it. <laughs> I fucking nailed it. And at the end of practice, they're like, you're in. Let's do it. First show's on this day. Fuck. My first show was in Huntington Beach at a fucking venue that's not there anymore. Thank God. What was it called? Uh, fuck. Um... I don't know. It was on the corner. It was on. It was on the corner of Warner and PCH, and it was like the shittiest dive bar I've ever been to. It was like full of Nazis, and I was like, "What am I doing?" And like, I remember I had to stay out front. It was twenty one and over. Oh, really? Yeah, it was twenty one and over. I had to stay out front, and uh, and then when they found out how old I was and that I was coming into play, they were like, there was like a big commotion. Oh, really? They're like, uh, uh, uh. So, Brandon Cruz is is a real good sweet talker, and he he talked him into letting me in. So I get up, I set up on stage, and these two Nazi dudes walk up to the front of the stage. I mean, this is early, so this is before all those dudes got kicked out of Orange County. Yeah, sort of. I mean, they're still around, but yeah, for the most part, pushed out. And uh, they walk up to the stage like, "Hey, kid, don't fuck up." They're like, "Hey, white brother." <laughs> it seemed more intimidating to me yeah, at the time because yeah. I didn't really identify with them at all. <laughs> I was like, I'm like a white boy from La Puente, and yeah. I'm like looking around. I'm like, oh fuck, because <laughs> I get my ass kicked. Yeah, like I used to, I used to go to shows at the Galaxy, and it was all like fucking gnarly skinheads, Nazis, yeah, dude. and and me and my brother would, f- you know, we we didn't know any better. We'd fuck with them because we thought they were dorks. <laughs> Like, 
I remember this one time at the Galaxy. Sorry, I'm going off on a tangent. No, keep going. We, we get down to the Galaxy, we're going to see Agent Orange and TSOL, and it's just Nazi town. And I never really encountered it on my own, and my dad had gone. My dad used to take us all these My dad's rad. He'd take us to all these shows and, like, take me out to play shows and, like, take my bands on tour and shit. Like, my dad, <laughs> he was all about it. So he's, he's off getting a Coke. And me and my brother are down on in the pit at the Galaxy. So mm-hmm. anyone from Orange County who's been to shows at the observatory knows exactly where I'm talking about. So the Nazis used to hang out in the center aisle of the staircase. And uh, we were just hanging out down there. I had a broken leg and my little brother's there. And I, I must have been 15, 14. He was what? And my brother was like 11. Dude, <laughs> like we were crazy, little ass dude. kids. Yeah. And these Nazis come up and they're like, spin a lap in the pit, show some respect. And I and I remember looking at him dead in the eye and being like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> <laughs> and he, and, it, and it, like his head almost popped off. Yeah, he's not my used da- to that, dude. And my dad showed up and he's like, "What's the problem?" And it was just a mess. So so finally, dude cooled down. And he bailed later on the night. TSOL's on. I got a fucking leg cast on because I broke it skateboarding. And me and my brother, I grabbed my little brother. I'm like. It's not gonna stop me. Show Partner my bit, bro. Let's go. <laughs> so we go out and we we start moshing and <laughs> we come around by that staircase. I see the guy lock eyes with the guy I'd said "fuck you" to earlier yeah. in the night. I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I go down because I get tripped up. Like I feel a, a boot comes out, knocks me down, and so I instantly it was like a reflex. I just curl up. I'm ready to get fucked up stomped out yeah it's like i grew up fighting like (laughs) i'm like i know what's next i'm gonna get beat up and uh and nothing happens i'm like what yeah and i turn around and i look up from the floor and people are helping me up and as they're helping me up i see a pair of doc martin boots flying away from me like that's not the way they're supposed to go go towards me yeah (laughs) and then i get up and i see this guy this it was like a 500 pound Big old fucking white guy with a security T-shirt just oh, thank fucking God. these dudes I gonna, up. I was gonna say, is this a Unity dude? No, <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, it's no man. Like it was crazier. So like, my dad, I had met this guy a long time ago in AA at mm-hmm. an AA meeting. It's like I've never done drugs in my life, but my dad was heavily involved in that and and brought us around AA, and we met a lot of like old punk dudes and this. You know, I, I see this guy just pummeling these skinheads. I'm like, oh my God, awesome. <laughs> so I go around the rest of the night just having a good old time because there's no one to worry about yeah. anymore. They all got their asses kicked and thrown out by like one humongous security guard. Yeah. And so later in the night, I'm walking out and I see the security guard and I go up to him and just be like, yo man, thanks. And it's one of my dad's really good friends that oh, he knew from AA. Yeah. And and my dad's like, holy shit, that was you? <laughs> So it was it was wild. Like yeah. I, back back then, I just remember going to a lot of shows in Orange County because that's where a lot of bands played. You know, the Galaxy and uh, Showcase and yeah, Showcase. Yeah, I do the Showcase chain reaction, all the time. Man, chain dude, reaction. I was on the podcast, man. Yeah. yeah. No, I used to go to Chain Reaction all the time. I played the Chain Reaction several times. I, I was in a we band. All have. I was banned from Chain Reaction for like a ah. year and a half. <laughs> I think the last show I played there was with Knife Fight. Uh, sorry, I m- messed your camera. That's up. fine. Don't worry. But uh, yeah, I played with Knife Fight. And we played with Ceremony there. It was a long time Ooh, ago. That's a great band. Ceremony and Blacklisted. It was. It was a I really like cool show too. Great band. Yeah. yeah, I recorded them. It was the split. No yeah. shit. Yeah, that's awesome. 
Yeah. Yeah, so, you know. So, let's talk about uh, what you're doing now. Got your own fucking studio, dude. Yeah. And then uh, another big band you were in, Fireburn, bro. That's a big fucking band. Yeah, recently. You played with TJ Hooker, too? Yeah. (laughs) We have a friend, me and and Nick both have a mutual friend we both played in a band with called Todd Jones. That's his name. Um, <laughs> he uh, he's played in a lot of big bands. He plays in a band called Nails. He played in a band called Terror. A band called Carry On. If you're into hardcore and punk, you guys probably know. Yeah, hard metal. Nails is a really big band. He's um, he's consistently written fantastic albums. Yeah, through his entire musical career. And you know he gets a bad rap, but he's a good dude. Yeah. So uh, Nick played in a big band called uh, Fireburn. With some really big dudes that everyone's probably heard of. Uh, yeah. You had... Um, it was Todd Jones, Israel from, you know, the other singer of the Bad, Bad Brains. Bad Brains, it's the other singer of Bad Brains, if you guys like punk. Yeah. And then the, the bass player, amazing. Uh, yeah, Todd Youth. So Todd he played Youth, in what, Danzig? He played with Danzig. He played with Cheap Trick. He yeah. played... I mean, the list is insane. just Wikipedia, that guy. I mean, Todd Youth was... Uh, he played with everybody. He was just the guy that yeah. everyone went to. So, so I, me, I took my son to see Nick play. Uh, my oldest, uh, when he played Fireburn at the program. Yeah, program skate so, shop. So yeah, it was it was really cool to go see Nick play. But Nick has a really cool studio. He's helped us a lot. I like having him on the podcast because he's helped the podcast a lot. There's a lot of shit that I wouldn't have known to do that Nick's helped me on, like make the baffles for all the sound. Um, mastering shit if you've heard noise in the in the background now it's because it's fucking hot yeah and fucking air conditioning's on <laughs> they're like so, wow that guy's yeah. really terrible at sound yeah. there's just this yeah i apologize <laughs> it's hot as fuck in here so we're having we have a fucking air conditioning on but um nick's been a huge help too that's why i kind of want to uh talk about nick he's he's been a big help in fishing and not only that but in uh in fucking uh <laughs> i just turned the air conditioner yeah, off in a, because I'm a snob. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. In the studio, too. He's been a huge help. So, But he has his own studio, and I've gone there a couple times to uh, get help from him on all kinds of audio questions. But where's your studio located? It's in Costa Mesa. It's off of, uh, for for anyone who's into punk and hardcore, <laughs> Yeah, it's off of 19th Street. And uh, basically, if you go down to the end of 19th Street to Placentia and hang a left, uh, it's, it's like two or three blocks away from where the cuckoo's nest was. Yeah. So it's a pretty cool area. I mean, the area is pretty wild, but (laughs) (laughs) it's, it's, it's interesting. It's really, it's really cool. There's lots of good food stuff around and you know, it's just a, you know, I'm like five minutes away from the beach, so I can't complain about fishing too. I can just run by and pick them up. Yep. It's fun times. Yeah. And we've gone out a couple of times lately, so it's, yeah. You got to do more of that. Trying to teach me how to fish again. <laughs> You're I like, suck oh, dude, fishing, you bro. suck, Nick. No, I suck, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. Yeah, man. No, it's been it's been cool. It's been really quite the process over the last uh, two, two and a half years, just, you know, acquiring equipment that was built in the 70s. It's like the latest lathe they ever built. Like, uh, sorry, for those of you who don't know what I do, as far as what I'm saying about lathes is basically it, I, I cut vinyl records. I cut the first master of, the master that they use to, to make uh, metal stampers that replicate the records you all love and, and collect <laughs> that sit on Who your walls. Who are some of the biggest artists <laughs> you've done 
Like, uh, even not you've done it, maybe you've cut them. Yeah, I mean, stuff that I've cut is crazy. Like, I've cut Dr. Dre the Chronic. I've done uh, Tupac All Eyes on Me. Damn. I've done Paramore After Laughter. I did uh, Cheap Trick Live at Budokan, the full, the first time they've ever put the entire concert on vinyl. I did wow. uh, Santana, the latest Santana record. I can't remember Santana 4 or 5. I can't remember. Which is, a, is, is cutting the record another art in itself. Yeah, I mean, that that's a, that's a, it's, it's one of those things that's sort of, people don't really realize how much work goes into that. And, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of the mastering credits go towards the digital mastering engineer, the guy who mastered so, the digital stuff that everyone's listening on Spotify or whatever, mm-hmm. what have you. But no one really credits the vinyl mastering engineers or lacquer cutting engineers yeah. because, um, I mean, they used to, and I don't know why it stopped, mm-hmm. but that's just sort of how it goes. Um, some of the, so, so a lot of the records that I've done have, have, I've been lucky enough to be dis, uh, credited on discogs That's for cool. a lot of these records, yeah. which is great because, um, you know, like I put, I put a lot of time and effort into these things because y- you got to think about it. Like, you know, a digital mastering engineer, like, and, and I do digital as well. You know, most guys who are doing it have never cut on a lathe mm-hmm. because most guys have gotten have only gotten into mastering in the last 10 15 years when vinyl was at its low point mm-hmm. i came in at a very interesting time where vinyl was on an uptick again and i learned how to master records by mastering vinyl first uh-huh. i never mastered a digital record uh before i mastered a vinyl record so there, there are limitations and things you have to consider when you're doing that format that you wouldn't have to consider if you were doing, you know, a digital release. So digital is great because, uh, you know, it's gotten a lot better over the years and it sounds great. And um, you can do whatever the fuck you want. There's no limitations. <laughs> you can fuck that thing up if you want. And and part of my job is to unfuck it. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so, but... But when you get into when you get into the vinyl side of things, there, there's rules and there's and there's things that you can and can't do, and I think it's that's where people get the you know, mastering's the black art or the dark art, or whatever, mm-hmm. and um, and it really isn't. It's just it's just people don't understand anymore that you know, sound is an analog thing. Like it, you can't you can't fit everything or do anything in the analog realm because it just it just won't work you know yeah so like at digital you could do everything so people have gotten used to being able to just do whatever the fuck they want mm-hmm. and and take a thousand takes and pick the one they want or manipulate things after the fact and fix things and convenience has become sort of the paramount of that like the, everyone wants convenience over over quality now so and and I can prove this with Spotify streaming, Dude, iTunes. I'm the complete opposite. Like, I fucking cannot. I can listen to a record and be like, "This sounds like dog shit." I can't. Well, listen it's to because it. you're an engineer. But even before I did that, I was like, if I hear a demo and it sounds like shit, a hardcore band or a punk band, I'm like, sounds like shit, bro. I don't want to fucking. Yeah, listen no. To I, it. You know, like, seriously, yeah. It's like why? I mean, it's. I'd rather spend the money or the time to make it sound perfect i'm not saying the podcast sounds perfect sure but i try to put as much time into making the best sounding quality thing i could put out to everyone so they could hear something good 
I don't have all the money to buy all the fucking mics like some of the big studios, but we try to mix it, edit it the best we can. I like to put it the best thing I can. And even when I recorded, it would track analog drums and then throw them into fucking Pro Tools or, you know, like... Yeah, I mean, uh, and like, you know, there's certain demos, there's certain bands and genres that really, that really you know, have that, they have that sound and you have to respect that sound mm-hmm. that they give you. I, I've done, you know, coming from hardcore, uh, you know, I've I've gotten a lot of hardcore stuff. Not trying not to get pigeonholed in the in that genre <laughs> because I can do a lot of other things too. Uh but but you have to be respectful of that. And I think a reason why I get a lot of that stuff now is because, you know, I grew up doing demos in my garage and yeah. I, I know that certain bands want that raw sound. They want that, you know, they want they they give me a mix. And I want to respect that mix and make mm-hmm. sure that that mixes everything they came out. Everything they put into it comes back out after the mastering yeah. process. Yeah. So, you know, there, there's a balance. It's like, I know they want the raw sound, but I want to make that raw sound maybe a little more palatable or 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 really intensify the raw sound sometimes. Mm-hmm. It, it really just depends on the audio and, and, and who it is that's, that's uh, sending me the recordings. But... But yeah, I totally get it. Like there was, you know, I grew up listening to <laughs> demos and be like, that sounds, that sounds. <laughs> hey, that, that sounds. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> shitty. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, no, I would, I would totally get into the, to the mode of like, my friends would all be into some new band and they play the record for me. I was like, this sounds like garbage. <laughs> like I want to listen to this. Like, I just don't want to listen to this on principle, like first. And then, and then, you know, like they'd put out a record, you know, two, three years later and it'd sound awesome because yeah. they, cause someone heard the demo and was like, but you know then, what? But then they found out about Pro Tools another four years later and it sounded like shit again. It sounded like <laughs> shit again. Yeah, no, exactly. So, so like I'm young uh, enough to, to not have had to deal with the first renditions of yes. Pro Tools. Oh, fuck, dude. I've heard yeah. albums where I'm like, this is the best album I've ever heard. Hardcore album. Yeah. Then they put out their second album. Like, this sounds like fucking dog shit. Yeah. Why did you do this? Well, Pro Tools. Convenience. Yeah. Give me convenience or give me death. Yep. Hey, Pretty Dead much. Kennedys. Yeah. <laughs> that's really what it comes down to. It's my favorite quote because yep. that's that literally just that encompasses everything that we're dealing with nowadays. True. You know? Very true. And, and I've been really like, I have an optimistic outlook. Uh, uh, on the whole thing because most people are pretty pessimistic about it. But my generation was the first generation that accepted an inferior format of audio. Yes. So we accepted MP3s and streaming and all this shit because it was free. I agree. It's convenient. I agree. And we're a bunch of bastards. <laughs> but now we're all realizing in, you know, our late twenties, early thirties, whoa, there was like a whole way of doing things before this that was really really good like think about the time they would cut in like i i had when i went to engineering school yeah they would fucking cut uh they would record just the tom sound for the whole song then go back and just record the kick sound and then go back and record the fucking sit like dude it was crazy like That's i think it was so joe annoying. cocker i think it was joe cocker or someone oh, okay. but they just tried something different and yeah like, i mean there's dudes but who the have done that it took to do that would be like oh, fucking weeks good dude. luck yeah. yeah like with with the way things are now like nobody has any money yeah <laughs> nobody has any backing from labels even the major labels are hard to get paid from mm-hmm. and you know like it's just 
you have to be able to make that make sense in a business from a business standpoint. Yeah. Like I, I can't, I can't do work for free. Yeah. I do it for cheap, but I can't do it for free. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's the whole thing's changed and, 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 but luckily, you know, like getting back to what I was just saying is, is, you know, my generation is also starting to be really into tubes, mm-hmm. which are, you know, People don't make them anymore. Yeah, exactly. People are getting really into tubes. People are getting really into tape again. And and these things are hard to do. And and they cost a lot of fucking money. Fuck yeah. But if you can hear the difference, then you're part of the of the the elite few who, who can actually who have trained their ears and they can hear that. And I think that the difference make I think the difference is totally worth it. You know, like like I remember in my first bands recording Pro Tools and just being like, "This sucks. This fucking <laughs> sucks. I hate this. This guy doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> like, ugh." And I hated it, and that's why I got into this. Yeah. And um, I remember, remember, God, we were paying ridiculous price. We were like. 300 bucks, man. You come down, record on Pro Tools. Blah, blah, blah. Sounds like shit, bro. Cubase. Yeah. So then we we start, <laughs> we do that. You know, we'd obviously be like, well, that's the price. Yeah. Like, well, we can all scrape up that much at least. And yeah. we we're poor ass kids, man. We'd go up, we'd go down to the studio, spend a day or two, maybe Fuck two, sucks, if we dude. had enough. And so then we, you know, like, we'd be like, well, this sounds shitty. So maybe we should actually save the money and do it right. And we'd spend a ton of money tracking. So uh, we we I remember specifically we with my I had I was in a band called Bad Reaction, and uh, we would go up to Oakland where we could get a pretty decent day rate and record all analog. And that was Who, what, the what was studio was it? It was a guy named Bart Thurber, and it was at a studio. I forget the name of the studio, but um, but I remember Bart because he was really nice. And he taught And me the stuff. difference between um, recording analog to digital would be like, I want to say like, say they did a demo for four hundred bucks, yeah. it'd be like sixteen hundred for analog. Yeah, at least I mean right? something like we, that. Yeah, I yeah. think I think we we were up there. I don't remember the numbers because I was a little kid and mm-hmm. they didn't expect me to pay for anything. <laughs> Which was this was nice. No, no, this was when I was in Bad Reaction. Okay, so. We we went was up there. Was this an hardcore band? No, Bad Reaction was more like on the edge of pop. Okay, punk, something like that. Yeah. Like we were kind of pop punk, but we were also kind of into. We were all into like Articles of Faith and a lot of hardcore stuff. Yeah. So we were kind of this like weird fusion. We didn't really know what we wanted to be, but it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we'd spend like a week, and I think at the end of it, we'd spend like I don't know three thousand. Yeah, dude. Something like, for like that. Like a demo, dude. Yeah, I mean, this was, yeah, and we were just like, we just want to record the tape because we know it's going to sound the way we want it to. Full. Yeah, I mean, and at the time, digital wasn't good. Digital sucked. Yeah. And and we all could hear it, and we could tell, and it made us go to tape. And then ever since that moment, I was like, If I'm someone's never... listening, and I don't know who the fuck's going to be listening now because we're talking about music so much, but <laughs> uh, the difference between digital and analog, I guess, is a brightness on digital maybe a little more like, well like the there's well, a lot of things if you can explain it like layman's terms like you know like sure uh to someone that wouldn't be like well what's the fucking difference well digital you know? now is probably different than digital back then mm-hmm. so digital now 
if you're going to go either between digital and tape, digital now is really good. Mm-hmm. But the difference is that tape is actually imperfect. And um, it's the imperfections that actually turn our ears that make us love that format. Mm-hmm. Because it can't replicate as much high end as digital can. And it, and, and it has actually a bump at like 50 hertz on most machines, depending on the, 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 the ips you're running at or the inches per second. So, I remember that. Yeah, it'll change the it. it'll change the tape EQ yeah. together, and and it also depends on how you calibrate it. So mm. you have full control of that thing, and most of the time, what people like from tape is like a fifty hertz bump. That's just an extra little low and end. You just can't do that with editing. I mean, you you can get close, but but there's also like the tape noise. There's also mm-hmm. the the high frequencies tend to get compressed on tape, um, whereas in digital, they'll just shoot right through your head. Just knock you out. So, <laughs> so there's there's really nice tonal qualities that tape has that you can try and replicate in the digital realm. Probably do a pretty good job nowadays. But um, I don't know. I just I really like tape. You get tape. You get compression. You get a little bit EQ. It's all happening on the tape, and you're not doing anything to the audio other than you know maybe moving a mic around, cha- making a small EQ change, and what you what you hear is what you get. Yeah. Whereas in digital, it's like, fuck it, we'll just record it and then we'll, we'll fix do it. Fucking live. Yeah, we'll do it live. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we used to do that all the time at the studio that I used to work at. We're <laughs> like, we'll do it live, bro. <laughs> fuck it. So, um, but yeah, I, yeah, I mean, layman's terms is fifth. You know, tape sounds great. Digital sounds great, also, but. They're two different things, and it's like comparing apples and oranges. Like you got two. It's like comparing like a record record player. Like if you're playing the audio through there, mm-hmm. or or digital. Yeah, I mean a little it, bit. Yeah, I, I mean, mean if I, you're if like like here, my big thing right now is like I'm really like I hate streaming because like I've been trying to buy records online, right? Mm-hmm. So I've been doing this thing where I've been buying people's records. And half of the records that I buy are fucking MP3s. And MP3s are compressed. So, oh, they, they have an MP3, they cut it. So, no, 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 no. So, basically, here's... I'm not even talking about vinyl right now. I'm okay. just talking about buying oh, records okay, online. Okay, okay. It's not the original master. No. No, I mean, some of it is, but... So, here's the difference. Like, some records I buy, I'll get a 24-bit full-resolution file that sounds great it's a wave file it sounds mm-hmm. great mm-hmm. and that's great i love it and then half the time i get a fucking mp3 which is a compressed version of the wave file where basically they just chop a bunch of audio data off of the off of it <laughs> to be layman about yeah. it you know i don't yeah. want to go too far into depth on it because it's just like bleh, bleh, shut up <laughs> so talk about fishing bro yeah, um, really. Sorry, guys. If yeah. you're listening to this still, you're hardcore. <laughs> hardcore. Yeah, because fucking guess what? This has nothing to do with fishing. Yeah, but so, uh, we're dorking out on what I do. It's I like just been it. a it's just been a headache with the with the digital streaming yeah. platforms. There's no there's no real standard for mastering engineers to follow. Yeah, and 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 everybody's like stressed out about it. All the artists are like, "Yo, I need a Spotify master." It's mm-hmm. like, I get it. There's there's this there's this loudness thing. Everyone's like the loudness wars are over. They're not. Uh, no, <laughs> like right? just, even if you listen to no. the podcast, I'm like, 
my stressed out. I got I got to be like, let me listen to Joe Rogan's. Just send it to me, bro. Is it? Oh, I should send it to me. Thank God you came over today and fucking handled it. Set you up. (laughs) (laughs) But it's true. Like loud. If you're not loud enough, like people. Well, loudness, loudness. When you're if you're so like, there's a lot of things that go into loudness. Yeah. If you're if it's like, let's say you have this podcast, right? You bounce it out. You don't change the levels at all. All you do is turn the high frequencies up on one. You're going to hear one and be like, that one's louder. Mm-hmm. You're going to perceive yeah. it as louder because it's brighter. Yeah. And there's there's a lot of things like that that go into mastering. There's a lot of psychoacoustics involved. There's a lot of, you know, it's just, it's so crazy. Like there's, it's it's the marriage of physics and uh, and actual engineering. And like there's there's so much to learn. So whenever anybody's like, so what's mastering? I'm like, dude, can't explain it to you, bro. It's like <laughs> uh, you got like ten years. Like, yeah, really, I'm yeah. still learning. I've been doing it for seven. I'm still learning things. I agree. so it's it's a crazy process, and and you know, it's it's been really great. You know, just learning how to do everything that I've done, and having the the community that sort of you know backs me up and helps me learn more and pushes me forward, and and. Uh, you know, learning with some of the mastering engineers I've I've worked under, like I've 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 interned when I was interning at Infrasonic, I I worked under Pete Lyman. Pete Lyman was doing you know Chris Stapleton records and wow and uh, you know lots of big big deal Damn. country, a lot, yeah, a lot yeah. of big Nashville. And then I also worked with John Greenham, who just did the Billie Eilish stuff. Damn, I worked a lot dude. with him. He's a really cool dude. He taught me a lot. I can't stand her. <laughs> she's awesome dude what are you no. talking about you're my, fucked up my wife and kids play that fucking song i'm you're like stupid. turn that shit the fuck off you're stupid billy eilish is tight i'd love to meet her she's oh. she seems so cool don't tell your fucking girlfriend that you'd love to meet her bro. I, well it's not like whoa, that whoa, whoa, calm down come on you calm down <laughs> she's just cool like she seems like like i would be like that's a like that is a cool that would be a cool daughter like she would, if my daughter turned out like Billie Eilish, I'd be like, tight. Yeah, she's I, I rad. Standard music. <laughs> You're just old. <laughs> <laughs> but well, um, uh, then I, you know, and I also worked with with a, a guy named Dave Cooley. I I worked at his studio for a while, cutting records. Mm-hmm. I cut Paramore stuff. He's done. He's done a lot of stuff. He's done like M83, Paramore. He's done the Far Side. Lots of like hip hop stuff. Yeah, big stuff. Yeah. So like I, so all the engineers I've ever worked under have all been dudes who are just like, are different genres, different genres, and and I've been exposed to a lot of it. I've been exposed to a lot of different ways of mastering. Um, I was taught, you know, I was cutting a lot of those records that were coming out out of all the you know they they mastered it but i cut it yeah you know a lot yeah. of it a it's lot cool. of it so yeah this is it's a cool and thing i'm sure they gave you like some tips and shit like that oh yeah they always they always you know it's like i'd have tons of questions and then they'd sit with me for about 15 minutes be like all right fuck off i'm, I'm out of here <laughs> but they were they were really great and and they helped me a lot and and someone i should mention also is dave gardner uh another mastering engineer who did mm-hmm. for for all of our all of our punk rock uh, fisherman in san diego he did all the drive like jhu and and uh, uh hot snakes and stuff like that mm-hmm. and all the swami stuff like he he's really uh been influential in in how i sort of approach things and how i think about you know mastering so 
it's been cool, man. It's been really a great thing for me, and, and I've been really super lucky. Yeah. Yeah, and fishing sort of set me up for it. It's well, like, hey. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, bro. I appreciate yeah, man. it. For sure. You get to get Anytime. buzzed, bro. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you guys want to check out what Nick does, you can go to his Instagram page, which is? Uh, Towns and Mastering, or my website, which is just www.townsandmastering.com and townsend is spelled like the words town and, and send send okay perfect put together <laughs> there you go and uh yeah so i wanted to have nick on because this is kind of my buddy that kind of got me into the whole salt thing so if you're still listening thanks guys and, uh, stay tuned.